0: latest news and market commentary here's rob black on the bay area's business leader 1220
1: kdow
2: welcome in rob black and your money i'm rob black talking money investing more how are you Uh, tax day is behind us, right? Now what do we have to look forward to? What's the next fun thing coming down the road? (laughs) Well, we got playoff hockey. We got playoff basketball. Those those are both nice distractions, right? Right. So, that's going on. Um, Still some politics kind of lingering. You would think at some point in time, now that the Mueller reports out, that we get direction. But it seems very directionless. Trump sues Democrats to block his financial subpoena, the financial subpoena that they're throwing out. Um, I think it's kind of not much of a surprise. He's one of those people who I, I think there's a lot of people out there who want to appear rich to certain people and want to appear struggling so they can get loans from other people. I mean, it'd be the horrible way of summing it up, but that's out there. So there's some drama on his financial subpoena. Ooh. Um, Other big stories of news. I know that's not a big one, is it? Boeing is the big one. Boeing is lower today. They've been caught in some New York Times pressure. Investors have been disappointed to hear reports citing workers' concerns about production issues and weak oversight at the company's 787 Dreamliner plant in South Carolina a few years ago. I'll say many years ago, less than 10, though. Boeing kind of said, hey, we don't have to stay in Seattle. We don't have to be in Chicago. We can open up our business and manufacture in any state if you guys give us tax breaks. So they did. Um, South Carolina may not be working out as well as some people want it, to the point that some of the quotes in the New York Times article, you get some employees saying things like, I would never, ever fly on a 787 Dreamliner. (laughs) Like, whoa. Either you're bitter, or you know a little bit too much of what's going on there. Whoa. Easter holiday is officially over in some countries, but not others. Did you know... that Europe is off today for Easter Monday? Now, Americans are... Well, now you know. Americans aren't the best at geography. (laughs) Like, there were some bombs and some problems that happened in Sri Lanka. Like, whatever I, wonder if I can find Sri Lanka on a map? And the answer is no. So I know my flaws. There's some countries that I'm like, hmm. I remember even being in fourth grade thinking, Vietnam, which one is that? Um, and looking at a map, you know, teachers kind of left the names off the maps and you'd have to fill them in. Ugh, that's all I'll say. Um, oil is a big story right now. So we got Boeing being a drag on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. At some point in time, that will be a great buy if the company can convince investors and convince the public that they're safe to fly. Um, But oil is another big story today, and it's been one of those stories that's been creeping into the stock market ever so slowly. Oil is at $65.63 a share. Now, keep in mind, the Federal Reserve fights inflation, and the price at the pump is inflating right now. I got in a Uber this weekend, and the guy goes, you see how much gas is? I'm like, no, how much is it? And I was a little stunned, too. Um, where does this go with that? Um, oil prices are inflationary. The Federal Reserve, last year, they were like, we're going to tighten. We're going to raise uh, the cost of borrowing money. It'll cut down speculation. The employment report's great. Everyone has a job that wants a job. That tends to create a little bit of wage inflation, which tends to create overall inflation of prices being passed down to consumers if they're being created for the wholesalers uh, based on material costs. I think the Fed has done a pretty good job. You don't remember the 70s like I remember the 70s. I know you're saying you don't remember the 70s. Well, I do. Um, I've got an odd memory, uh, to say the least. Inflation and gas prices. Do you remember, like, based on the license plate number you had? It started with an even number or an odd number that you can go get gas on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, kind of thing. Like, we had gas shortages in the United States no uh, because way. of inflation. So the Fed freaked out in the 70s because they couldn't control inflation. So, for the last 20 years, there really hasn't been a lot of inflation. And you want a little bit, it's a Goldilocks thing. Not too hot, not too cold. Um, and for the last 20 years, it's been too cold. And in the 70s, it was too hot. Um, And I would venture to guess that President Donald Trump's paying attention to what happened in the 70s with President Carter. Got kicked out of office after one term, in large part because he ran a hostage scenario that was playing out under his watch. And uh, also inflation. People didn't feel good about the economy. People didn't feel good about their lives. So that's one of the things that presidents try to do to get reelected. It's tough to take out an incumbent like the Las Vegas Knights and the San Jose Sharks last year. The Knights took out the Sharks this year. It's going to game seven. We don't know yet. So, oil, Boeing, Easter holiday. So there's a little bit of less action going on in Europe today. Which, um, if you're an S&P 500 top 10 company or Dow Jones Industrial Average, probably 40 to 60% of your revenue is coming from outside the United States. So when... Europe shuts down for a day, we notice. That's why Brexit's been so important. And I would venture to guess or throw out there that I want to say this is that one of the areas that corporate creations are having problems with right now is because what Fed has done at the end of 2018, one of the things that you know, is playing out right now is uh, currency risk. So the United States seems to be ahead of the rest of the world in coming out of the slowdown. And because of that, what we could kind of sum up and say um, is the flight of least resistance is to the upside right now. But there's still some headlines you have to be wary about. And we do want to watch the Federal Reserve in 2019 to see if they change a little bit. And they start saying, okay, you know what? We're going to raise rates, not lower rates a lot of people think the next move is lower a lot of people think the next move is higher on interest rates so it's all kind of out there right now but um currency warnings are a big issue right now because we're moving into earnings season and when you're in earnings season uh analysts start asking questions like hey what's the next quarter look like hey what's next year look like uh hey are you feeling inflation prices hey uh how's the manufacturing going hey hey oh it's political season One of the big problems in America is $1.5 trillion of student debt crisis. It's a crisis. It's honestly a crisis. And that's one thing the Federal Reserve is going to try to do is they're going to try to uh, lessen the wealth gap, close the wealth gap some. As the 2020 presidential election comes closer, Elizabeth Warren has said she supports a broad cancellation plan for student debt. $1.5 $1.5 trillion. Can you imagine if you're the bank who's lended $1.5 trillion and you hear a politician running from the president says, we're going to forgive all that debt. Um, I, I need a diaper. If I'm that CEO of that bank, I need a diaper because I'm going to poop my pants. So higher education opens a lot of doors for people. And we should figure out a way of making something like community colleges funded by government taxes or something. Uh, There there has to be a compromise other than saying, let's wipe out $1.5 trillion in debt. But then again, as parents, we also have to say, we're signing up for this stuff, and we're letting our kids go and become undereducated, and we're buying into the system. It's going to be an interesting political season, uh, the next 14, 15 months. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.
0: Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now back to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW.
1: One stop shop life for the quick fix before you get a ticket. That's the way I live my life.
2: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. When I look back on college years, I find it kind of funny. I mean, I don't know if, I, if this makes any point that's worth listening to or not, but the things that you think are going to happen don't, is what I'm going to throw out there. And college was a lot easier and sweet and a great moment in your life than some of the stresses you go through, right? So it's all about perspective. I've got a relative right now who just had 10 feet of his intestines. No, no, not 10 feet. I had to be like, Maybe it was that we're dead. And I'm like, I'm like, how many feet of intestines are in us? Like, whoa. And you look back on his life, and like, things are starting to go bad. Uh, back problems, uh, intestinal problems. He's 75-plus years old, so it's, it's about time, right? Are you ready for that? Because it's expensive. It's kind of what the show always comes back down to. Are you ready for it? Because it's expensive. Retirement's expensive. Healthcare's expensive. Having kids is expensive from zero to 18. So think about my family member. He had two kids. Um, uh, so that's half a million dollars, and now from zero to eight, so 20 years of his life was spent supporting other dependents, and maybe his wife, you know, it's not uncool of me to say that, right? The IRS makes us count spouses as dependents if they don't work. It's kind of an odd concept, but hey, trust me, my mom worked her butt off, right?
0: Right.
2: Right. Okay, so let's not dwell too much on the negatives. <laughs> or let's one and a half trillion dollars of still loan debt healthcare is expensive retirement is expensive we could talk about that but most Americans over 40% of Americans don't have $500 in case of emergency breaks so are we really talking about retirement I I think retirement we should should be called fire retirement on fire 101 and I, I should start teaching you a little bit more about that kind of stuff right you max out your 401k. You max out your IRA. I once had uh, someone ask me, "Why do you look at your paychecks every two weeks?" I study them <laughs> because there was one year where, for some reason, the company that I was working with in retirement they weren't throwing my money into a 401k. They were supposed to throw in. They were supposed to throw in fifteen percent, but that year I got lazy and I stopped looking because the year before it was funded, so I assumed it would just follow through. It didn't. So the goal is to reach at least fifteen percent of your income into the stock market or into a retirement account. But you got to start early, and if you don't start till thirty, you're behind. If you don't start till you're forty, you're probably gonna work till the day you die. Speaking of retirement, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to talk a little bit of the retirement issues that we face from a financial planner's perspective. Chad? Welcome in CFP, Chad Burton. Chad Burton is with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. One of the big questions that I get via email and phone calls on a regular basis, Chad, is lump sum investing. I just inherited $100,000. I just inherited $40,000. And my next question, if it's a chick, is like, You got all your teeth. Like, are you good looking? Like, what's your number? What's your number? I've actually done that on air, which is pathetic. But um, lump sum (laughs) investing versus dollar cost averaging, these are two themes of investing. I say when you get a lump sum, just invest it because it'll work out over time. What's your thoughts on lump sum investing?
1: Well, most people are already dollar cost averaging through their paycheck, um, their 401k. And dollar cost averaging works when there's, you know, when the market is it has periods where it's trending lower over a year-long period so that you're buying sometimes at a low and sometimes at a high. Um, so if there's a significant correction and you've got cash to put in, I would just put it in. But if you're doing it and the market's at the higher end of a you know 12-month rating, trading range, then dollar-cost average to a point that makes you feel comfortable. The problem that people do when they dollar-cost average is they let the motions get involved. So, they'll start off and they'll say, I'm going to do X number of dollars per month. And they say, oh, no, the market's too high or I'm going to wait for a correction. And they skip out on their plan. You need to write down your plan on paper and says, I'm going to dollar-cost average just cash into a balanced portfolio over six months, 12 months, two years, whatever it may be. Something that takes the emotion out of it. Right. It's the emotion that makes it difficult. In a 10-year period, none of it will really matter. It will not matter. It's just how you can avoid getting your emotions involved in investing, and that's usually by a written plan that that you follow that you don't, you know, you got to stay the course. Your written plan is a funny idea because
2: most people remember things the the way they want to remember them. They'll say things like, oh, I knew to buy Apple when they came out with the iPod, but did they buy Apple? Mm -hmm. A lot of day traders will be like, oh, I knew it was going to move from, you know, 440 to 525 after they reported earnings, but did they do it? And I recommend people you know if, if put up or shut up, write it down and give it to your wife, yeah, if you have a great idea, write it down and give it to your wife because and then when you need that money back, ask for it back from your wife. You could practice on paper is what i 'm saying,
1: yeah, and, you know, and if you look at the last decade, which was tough for investors the s p five hundred is relatively flat if you don 't count dividends. Um, but a balanced portfolio still averaged over 6% over the last 10 years, even with the credit crisis, the real estate bubble, and all that good stuff. Um, so a balanced portfolio will work out over time. And I think the, the problem that investors that are coming in with cash or they've been sitting in cash, the problem they deal with is they're only watching stocks. Right. So they, they forget that a balanced portfolio, when the stock market is really rallying, will underperform in the short term, but it will outperform... During the three out of ten years that are negative, so seven out of ten years are positive, three out of ten are negative. And asset allocation means you're keeping up with the market in the good years and outperforming it in the bad years. So that's what you want. I'm a big fan of dollar cost averaging in the
2: 401k. With if you're going to try to do a trade, then you don't you, don't, you, you lump sum it. You know, it's it all depends on your expectations and your goals. But we preach diversification of equity,
1: um, so lump summing it doesn't make a lot of sense. At the same time, though, I you know I take over um, portfolios. Uh, sometimes large companies yeah. kind of rhyme with Disher, where you see over 100 <sighs> different stocks. You be careful. That guy can kill you. <laughs> we see over 100 different stocks, and you're like, okay, what's the point of picking 100 different stocks? Yeah. We have 1% position. What if that company does really well? It's not going to make a difference in your portfolio. So when I pick individual stocks, we typically keep 20 to 25 positions yeah. in the portfolio. Do you know why he puts people in 100 different stocks? Because it's impossible to quit them. You're you're thinking if I quit and I have to sell all these stocks, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. That's exactly why when I set up my we use TD Ameritrade as a brokerage firm and my yeah. clients get uh, free trades for the first 60 days because yeah. i usually have to go in and fix portfolios cuz they have way too many positions they're you know concentrated one t- sector of the market instead of being diversified and we've got to fix it so you know trading costs can become expensive if if you've got you know 100 positions or if you've got over 13 mutual funds you're typically way over diversified you got too many positions you can't possibly follow it and have a daytime job That guy you mentioned, name rhymes with Disher. I once said on air that his sales force is kind of cheesy and
2: smarmy, young guys who have, you know, cufflinks and uh, initials on their shirts and stuff like that. Like these initials right (laughs) here? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I'm like, they're kind of douchey. Like they're just cheesy guys. He called me. A billionaire calls me and he's like, I heard you have something negative to say about my company. I'm like, I'm so, 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 so sorry. Please don't kill me. (laughs) I was afraid of him. No comment, <laughs> now I'm scared. <laughs> it's CFP, Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.
0: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com Now back to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW. Tell me what
1: you need. Come on and work it for me. Don't let him get your dog.
0: You're the best thing I've seen. We never found the answer,
2: but we knew for instance machine. I wish I had a voice like that.
1: Hundred, hundred,
2: hundred, With that said, I was watching a little Game of Thrones because that's something I do on Sunday nights. Kind of unwind a little bit. Who doesn't like all the um, heavy themes that come out of Game of Thrones, right? I think it's a, a TV show ultimately about environmentalism and how we kill each other and our planet. At some point in time, nature was going to strike back and take us down. But that's a diversion. Florence and Machine did a song from the show last night, and HBO edited it into a music video, which was pretty cool because there was a lot of dramatic moments from the last eight seasons or whatever it is that they put into the music video of a Florence and Machine song that was inside of Game of Thrones. This brings up the question of like, whoa, platforms, right? Do you ever pay attention to platforms? I talk about them often. I talk about age demographics. I talk about investing. uh, But platforms are also pretty powerful. You know, Coca-Cola and PepsiCo have platforms into supermarkets and into grocery stores. Sweet. So they can come up with a new product. If you take a look at HBO, you know, the platform of a TV show inside of, or a music video inside of a song, inside of a TV show, inside of a, you know, a trend to cut the cord so to speak is HBO corded or are they uncorded like Netflix a lot of people would say HBO is still a little bit too tied to the cable TV market but neither here nor there Um, Florence Machine once opened for Oasis and at one point in time Oasis said uh, something to the nature of we're the we're bigger than the Beatles and the Beatles once said we're bigger than God right so like whoa talking about a platform of marketing Oh my God! No but one, way. One of the things that I talk about is video games and the platform. The battle royale platform is big, and Electronic Arts tried to copy it with Apex Legends. And it's doing okay. A lot of people thought it was going to be the one that to take out Fortnite. Fortnite's still rocking, and I'll be honest, they came out with a release of planes. Where the game typically takes place on the ground, and you run around with guns and collect loot and shoot each other, right? That's the basic idea. And they've introduced planes a couple months ago, and now they've turned it into a dogfight. So the platform... Oh, and don't forget, a couple months ago, um, everyone's you know favorite DJ, Marshmallow did a concert inside that platform so it it's a flying game now it's a game on the ground now it's uh they have kind of big events that come like oh there's a volcano in the middle of the map where did that come from and then you get a notice like oh in three days it's gonna erupt or you you start kind of like getting the sense and then there's people who watch the event to me it's all about eyeballs eyeballs and advertising advertising dollars things along those lines um, but yeah, you get where we're trying to go in this one in four people, which, if I'm correct, is 25% of people. <laughs> one of my favorite David Letterman jokes from many, 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 many years ago, back when I was still in high school, he said three out of four people make up 75% of all people. <laughs> and for some reason, I liked it, I liked it a lot. Um, So, one in four young people dip into a 401k to pay off debt. And that's a big problem because there's different ways that you have to look at things. You know, I talked about a family member who's having some intestinal issues and he's had some back issues and um, aging's not great. That's a retirement, right? We talk about retirement, we talk about uh, money in retirement. Uh, But one out of four younger people, people who are 18 to 34, have dipped into their 401k and made an early withdrawal to pay off credit card debt one of my biggest regrets is that I ran up I thought love I thought money led to love I I wasn't like born into a rich family I watched a lot of television as a kid not a lot because I was overseas but it influenced me when I did watch it and like when you got to live overseas and you got to see something like Love Boat you're like ooh Americans talking English love Exciting. I always thought this this sounded like get, the, the captain singing. Oh, and for the record, you'll never see me on a cruise. I think cruises are disgusting, but that's neither here nor there. So, eighteen to thirty-four year olds have one out of four have pulled money out of a four hundred and one k for credit card debt. And my credit card debt in my twenties, it wasn't really. I never got into serious serious credit card debt. We're talking like three or four thousand. I've seen people with seventy five, eighty thousand that you know are delivering pizzas. That's some serious credit card debt. But one out of four younger people have used money that they save for their retirement years to ultimately pay down credit card debt. And you know what's funny about my twenties credit card debt? I don't remember a damn thing. You know, I, I probably charged that trip to Miami. That was nice. I got to see some art decos, 1920s hotels, beautiful stuff. Um, usually when I went to Europe or traveled, I'd always save up before I did it. So that wasn't that much of a problem. But the money that I spent in my my 20s wasn't well spent. So to think that I'm dipping into my retirement years to pay off that, it's it's offensive. And I don't want you to do that. Just under a third of respondents to a new survey said they rated their 401ks, took the money out to pay off their credit card balance, while 16% said they put it towards student loans. So we've had Elizabeth Warren talk about student loans and then the credit card. I don't feel any pity for people with credit card debt. I, I think we're an ignorant society and debt can feel overwhelming. And yet when you're spending it, it feels really good. There's a good chance that I had a momentous moment in my life when I went to Miami and I took a girlfriend with me like, Woo! but mm, student loans and credit card balances. debts overwhelming, but it's incredibly like, sexy when you're going through it. The average young adult under the age of 35 has a credit card balance of what? I'm going to give you a second to think about this. What do you think it is? The average young adult under the age of 35 has a credit card balance of $5,800. Dollars Alex, I'll take debt for 100 The average young adult under the age of 35 has a credit card balance of what? Uh, what is $5,800? <laughs> Alex Trebek's dying. What else? I guess I'm dying too, right? And Alex says, "You're a sir. You know what's interesting? Um, do you ever see the articles that come out in like the Wall Street Journal about like Jeopardy contestants and how they use algorithms to figure out like the best way to jump around the board? I, I just go with the I just go with the clues that I think I might know. <laughs> like, I'm, call me ignorant. I'm not using algorithms yet, and yet artificial intelligence is coming. Nine-time Grammy winner Lady Gaga went bankrupt and was $3 million in debt after her Monster Ball tour. Who knew? You knew. But experts say the short-term relief that you pay off of some of your, your debt, your credit card debt with your 401k savings, it, it, the consequences aren't even fair. About 40% of working Americans are enrolled in an employer's retirement plan. 401k is a common saving option, and people do take advantage of it. But if you take money out of it, you have to pay it back. The IRS allows you to start pulling money out of your 401k without penalty at age 59 and a half, and they're talking about moving that higher and letting you save longer because they see the retirement issue on the horizon that is a problem. If you dip into your 401k before you retire, it's a problem. You're going to owe both federal income, and a 10, uh, income tax and a 10% penalty on the amount that you withdrew. You may be on the hook for some state income taxes, too. Um, The path to a million, the path to a million. I I think most people should aim for one to four million in retirement. I know you're saying, I can't do that. I started too late. Well, it will work as long as you can. Because I do think the government's going to allow you to save longer. Um, But you're talking about $26 a day at a 4% return if you're 25 years old. If you could invest $26 a day, now, that's a lot of money for, for some people, right? If you're making minimum wage or something close. Uh, but if you get a better return to become a millionaire, you know, like 6%, something you're only talking about $14 a day. And if you get an even better return of 8%, you're only talking about funding $6 or $7 a day. And if you're 25 years old and you get the stock market historical returns for the last 80 plus years, which is roughly 8 to 10%, 8% plus dividends, so a 10% return, you only need to save eh, $5 a day. So do you see how delaying can hurt and taking money out early can hurt? It does. So Lady Gaga went bankrupt. Gaga, Gaga, Gaga. Um, a lot of debt after her Monster Ball tour. I'd say life has turned out pretty good for her. Um, she won three Grammys uh, for Shallow and Joanne. Both songs from her work in the movie A Star is Born. She's 32 years old. She's been bankrupt. It's not that much of a scar, is it? Maybe it is. I don't, I, I, it's, I don't think we I think everything in life, we should become shameless. You know, you, you pee your pants. Just be shameless. own it. <laughs> Just be shameless. Be that person to walk around here.
0: Hey, I beat my pants. Look at me. Look what I did.
2: And tomorrow, everyone's going to forget. And that's the beauty of it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.
1: Down to
2: Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't be shy. I always have seminars coming up. But I try to put together a variety of ways for you to get in touch and to learn and maybe pass some stuff on to your kids. I think that's kind of important. I don't think we do a good enough job in our society of educating our own on money issues. So when I do the show, I try to liven it up by talking like Lady Gaga critical success critical success with the fame big album in 2008 she's won six Grammys. she's done big, five big worldwide concert tours she's performed at the Super Bowl she sold 11 million albums but she's also been bankrupt and getting over that shame is super important of, of getting life back together Gaga was able to get out of the red thanks to the sheer quality of her popularity we don't all have that I've been bummed Paying taxes sometimes. I'm like, man, I didn't think it was going to be that much I owed. I usually don't get a return. Because if you get a return, that means you paid too much. Like you gave your money and let the government have it nine months too early, or six months too early, or three months too early. So I pay a lot of taxes. And it's humbling at times. It was one of the very first lessons I ever learned in investing. Um,. I, I didn't really have a direct mentor. I had passive mentors that they probably didn't even know I was using them for mentoring. And one of them told me, okay, you know, you're know you going to have debt till the day you die. And you kind of got to get used to that. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Another one told me things along the lines of, old people hate to pay taxes, so try not to do a lot of transactions in their account that are going to trigger a taxable event. I, I've triggered some taxable events in my life. Sold winners for uh, capital gains taxes. That's not the... You never got rich selling a winner. Or did you? Hmm. Right? So I've heard all the advice. Some of it more helpful than others. But, you know, again, one of the things that I come back to is, is learning as you go. And uh, always, always using things as a, a learning experience. And try to find a mentor, because old people don't like to pay taxes. Like That one was always... I was like, I get it. So if you're a money manager and you're managing someone's account and you buy Apple at $90 a share and it goes to 200 or 300 or 400 and you turn a $10,000 investment into a $30,000 asset, you're like, well, maybe I should sell it and pay taxes. Or But I have to pay taxes. I've seen people... This is hilarious. I've seen people try to change their assets and move them around after the fact so he'd buy something like apple in a regular taxable account it would go up and before he wants to sell it he's like can i transfer it into a retirement account and then not pay taxes i'm like no <laughs> well you could but it's illegal right so taxes are something it's kind of a necessary evil on some levels right so learn that sometimes you're going to be surprised on a negative. That's why you want to continue to build uh, an emergency fund. There's one company that I've been toying with recently because you, the listener, has asked me to. Acorns. It's an app. It's not a bad idea. It doesn't. It's not great. It rounds up your your saving. Uh, it rounds up your spending. So if you spend a buck fifty at Starbucks, or let's say five fifty, it'll it'll invest fifty cents for you, and it'll say, "Well, you spent six bucks at Starbucks." So it's kind of an automatic savings plan. And in, when you set up the account, you can set it up in like four or five different ways. So it's conservative or moderate conservative or moderate growth or growth in income or growth or aggressive. And it's not a bad way to start saving. It's not the best way to invest for the future forever and ever, but it's a great way to start saving because you're probably not going to miss 50 cents off a transaction. Maybe you will. Maybe you, you At the end of the month, you do get down to that final few shekels. I think if that's the case, you have a problem. You're not making ends meet. You're barely doing it. And that creates a treading water type of scenario. You know one of my claims to fames? I'm a certified beach lifeguard. And here's the best part about it. Not California beach lifeguard. East Coast. So I got my certification in really cold Atlantic water. One of the things that I did really well in that certification is you had to swim two miles in the ocean. Mile one way, a mile the other way. Um, I'm a great swimmer. I'm not bragging. I'm kind of a big deal. Um, But one of the things you have to do is try to water. And uh, they set it up so it's a contest. And I, I was able to do it for hours and hours and hours. It's kind of crazy. Um, it's one of those things that you can do, but it, when it comes to when it comes to saving, trading water is not great. It's not great, so you, you want to build in, and that's one of the things Acorns can do. You build in automatic savings, and they're so small. And like my my producer; he's he's on the younger side. He's under thirty. He's over twenty. Um, I'm like set up an Acorns account because it'll start you, or with your 401k at work, just do get the three percent corporate match. So you do 3%, they do 3%, and next year you do 4%. The year after that, you do 5 but you're not going to miss 1%, right? So anyway, other big stories out there. Warren Buffett backed Kraft Heinz, climbs as it replaces its CEO. That's kind of interesting. Warren Buffett's made me a lot of money. You know those yeah, mentors, like I was saying? Some of them are passive, some of them are aggressive. Study some Warren Buffett, which, by the way, I've got 25 of the greatest quotes by Warren Buffett on kind of a cute PDF, you can go grab it by going to newfocusfinancial.com or just email me and say, I want that Warren Buffett PDF. There's 25 statements that he's made that I find valuable. And it's great to have a mentor, even if you've never met your mentor. I chose the best investor of all time to study. I've studied some of the best. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black's Show. You can find that download at newfocusfinancial or drop me an email rob at robblackshow.com.